Thanks for being here, y'all. We're Alonzo Wesley. In 2008, Jeremy Davis, with his sister Maggie Bordeaux and her husband Dan, started a band. Later that year, I happened to have a conversation with John Paul Jones backstage at the Warren Haynes Christmas Pre-Jam, where I told him that it was something of a surprise to hear his Americana turn with producing the group Uncle Earl after being so well-known for his days in Led Zeppelin. To which he replied that that kind of roots music was also on display going back to his beginnings. It was always there, he said. And immediately it dawned on me how obvious it was that his music, from the heavily amplified rock of the 1960s to the Americana scene of the 21st century, was related. It is a line you can trace pretty easily, much like branches of a family tree. The music of the band Alonzo Wesley has a family tree that is rooted in acoustic and electric soundscapes as well, and their sound went from rock band to Americana band over their history, which began with that original lineup of Jeremy, Maggie, and Dan when they called themselves Alonzo. Family is also central to understanding the Charlotte, North Carolina trio, which is at times a quartet. Alonzo was never a member of the group, but as the late father to frontman Jeremy Davis, his presence certainly is with them still. Welcome to Southern Songs and Stories, and our episode on Alonzo Wesley. Southern Songs and Stories is produced in partnership with Grassroots Radio, WNCW, and Osiris Media at osirispod.com and is available wherever you get your podcast and at wncw.org. One easy and very helpful way to spread awareness of the artists featured here, their music, and this series is to subscribe to this podcast and give it a good rating and a comment on the platforms where you listen to your podcasts. This is Southern Songs and Stories, the music of the South and the artists who make it. We built them houses Oh, 
space and time in the blink of an eye. True to its very nature. I know a fellow, he was more than he could know alive. Cease from living. I know a girl, she was living in a dream. Forgotten, not forgiven. We built them houses, tear them down. We built them houses, tear them down. Come on. Build them houses, tear them down. We built them houses, tear them down. We built them houses, tear them down. Built them houses, tear them down. <laughs>
Okay, thank you. Sweet Relief is providing immediate assistance to anyone in the music industry who has been financially impacted by COVID-19, including artists, crew, venue workers, agents, managers, and photographers. Sweet Relief pays for vital living expenses, including medical bills, health insurance, prescriptions, utility and phone bills, groceries, auto-related expenses, and clothing. Applications are being accepted now, and you can apply for help or donate to help those in need at sweetrelief.org. Thanks for listening to Southern Songs and Stories. I'm your host, Joe Kendrick. Coming up in the episode is conversation with Alonzo Wesley, as well as writer and photographer Daniel Coston, who has known the group for years. We open the show with a live performance of their song, Them Houses, from a recent show at Pisgah Brewing, and you will hear more from that show and other performances in this podcast as well. I spoke with band members Jeremy Davis, Taylor Winchester, and Dennis Contreras after their session on WNCW this spring just ahead of that show in Black Mountain, North Carolina. A show that would prove to be one of the last in-person performances for them and everyone making music for months to come. I asked them about how they started as an electric rock-oriented band and then progressed to an acoustic band and wondered if there were examples of that happening the other way around. I think it works both ways. I think for me it was definitely, I was originally inspired by rock and roll for sure, and I've I was a rock and roll kid. I'm still a rock and roll kid, but um, I love the dynamics and the subtleness of acoustic music and it, it, the way it forces you to play differently, especially with no percussionist. Um, we, we, it's just a whole different ball game as far as like being on stage and, and the performing of it. Um, and it's super challenging. Like you, you always have to be kind of on top of it because um, if you play too loud, you mess up all the dynamics. If you play too soft, it's it doesn't. It's maybe you're gonna play too slow. Like, you know, there's all these little things you have to remember, which you always have to do in any band. But I think lacking a percussionist, lacking a, uh, amplification, that totally just it just changes the interplay between the instruments, um, which is to me is like it it makes it unique every time. And like you said, allows us we have these explorative uh, parts of the songs now that even that is just its own thing because of it being a, a string band. Um, so, How do you find the audience's level of how courteous they are with with uh, acoustic music being a bit quieter, listening. the tendency to talk over everything? I think it depends on the audience. We actually have more pushback from the talent buyers. We you, you, There's so many cases where um, we know we're going to go to a place and people are going to enjoy it because we've been, you know, we maybe have been to that market before or whatever, but it's usually the people that are booking the bands that are like, I don't know if you guys can hang. And we're like, trust us, we can hang. We're going to come in and crush it, but you have to give us a chance. And it's, I would say we have much more pushback in that sense than people w- being willing to listen. I mean, um, I mean, for me as a performer, I'm always, if people are there and they're ready to party, like, 
I'm here, I'm ready because there's so many times when there's no one there <laughs> over the years, especially like not so much now, but like, you know, if you're a musician, everybody knows like you, you play all the time to empty rooms because it's just part of the game. And, um, so when people are there, I'm ready to rock and I, I try to engage them. And so, and I think we all do actually, I say me, but we try to engage them. And so I think generally speaking, people are, are down. Some of it is the technology of how to amplify acoustic instruments is so much more advanced now that you can come in with a four-piece acoustic band and you can have a full, uh, really clear, clean sound and we, and we can travel with our own PA and the speakers are not that big and they're still pretty full and pretty loud. And so we find that we can, we can fill a room pretty easily, even with just the three or the four of us when we're playing live. Yeah, I'll never forget. Um, you know, we're 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 not at the level that we're playing ticketed venue shows every every week or or you know week in and week out at this at this rate. Um, but we're certainly working that way, and we hope you'll pay to see us when we do. Um, but it's funny because I remember it was probably over a year ago now. But we we had a opportunity to open up for Sam Bush, and we had just confirmed the show like the week prior. And then I received an email because I, Jeremy and I kind of share, we split the booking process and buying or um, reaching out to the, to the agency side of it, reaching out to the buyers. And anyways, there's this one brewery that we were trying to kind of just have a filled, fill spot for an off market or not really off market, but anyways, she was just like, her response was, it was interesting because it was like, yeah, I just don't, I don't think you guys will, you know, I don't, I don't know if it's the sense of discovery we're going for. And to me, it was like, are you kidding me that somebody else just booked us to open for Sam Bush? Like, how are we going to entertain that crowd and not be able to hold our own in a, in a brewery that's, you know, um, and actually we find a lot of success in breweries because we are able to bring that full sound without necessarily having drums or percussion. So, Stretch a road, miles of light explode, drifting off a thing I never done before. Watching a crowd roll in, echo the lights it begins. Feeling in my bones I never felt before.
Uh, Mind Winning Jacket is just a huge inspiration for me as a just wanting to be a musician. When I saw them, uh, when they put out It Still Moves. I'm a huge Southern rock fan. I come from the West Coast, and I've always enjoyed Skinnerd and the Allman Brothers and Derek Truck stuff, uh, Colonel Bruce Hampton, Jimmy Herring. Inspiration is easy to be conflated with emulation when it comes to art. Musicians are often inspired by artists that do not sound anything like them. That does not invalidate the inspiration. It doesn't mean that heavy metal can inform Alison Krauss's music or that Kraftwerk didn't come to mind when Vernon Reed was making music in living color, because both did. There are lots more examples here, Les Claypool of the band Primus being a huge Isley Brothers fan, and on and on. You just heard frontman Jeremy Davis and bass player Dennis Contreras talking about some of their favorite music after their new single, a cover of My Morning Jacket's song, Golden. Not surprisingly, Jeremy acknowledges more obvious influences like Doc Watson and Lucinda Williams, but also spoke about how Radiohead factors in. So the concept is to have a string band format or a bluegrass-style band that plays indie rock songs or the kinds of songs that you you might hear on an indie rock record in other words like non-traditional songs so taking those indie style songs and having the acoustic instruments and that that aesthetic and that sound that you get from playing without a percussionist and playing uh the traditional instruments letting that sound sort of affect the outcome of the music if you will and also infusing into that the classical elements especially with the upright bass, allowing that to be played more in like a classical style versus a bluegrass style where you're just plucking a note, but allowing the bow to really be express the sound that that instrument can make, which is a very wide range of sounds. And it really adds this whole new world of sounds that is, is kind of endlessly fascinating to me. Um, and if you blend all that together... That's sort of the idea behind Alonzo Wesley, at least from you know the musical direction side of things. It allows me to mash up all these different influences from over the years, from you know somebody like Muddy Waters and, and Doc Watson to Paul Simon and you know Jim James, for example, um, or uh, Lucinda Williams and and you know Radiohead. Um, even though you probably don't hear our music and think Radiohead, they were definitely and have been and, and still are a big influence on me just as much as Bill Monroe or Earl Scruggs or somebody like that. 
that's one of the things that I super love about this band because I think we're sort of calling back to that string band tradition, but also trying to do something new and original with it and not allowing it to be boxed in by this one idea, but allowing the sound of the music to influence the songs themselves, which I know is a very meta thing to say, but I think that it allows for some really unique and creative things to happen. So as a songwriter and performer, it's very exciting. And every day I wake up and I love it. And I just can't wait to do whatever the next thing is that we're going to do. I think what makes them unique is that they are, they're a group of individual musicians that have kind of um, coalesced under with different ideas under into their own sound. You know, Jeremy had been doing the, the solo and then playing with different musicians over the years. And I think with the, the rest of the musicians in this band now, he really has something that, uh, while it has a lot of echoes of other influences, it's it's really uniquely theirs down to um, the, the bass player playing more bowed bass um, than the you know, uh, fiddle and, and female backup harmonies. It's really, and it's, it, they approach their song, the melodies from a, a slightly different place in that you sometimes may think they're going a different place, but then you, wherever they go, you go, oh, okay, well, I had not thought about that. That's cool. I think it's really the collective of them together that makes up Alonzo Wesley as opposed to uh, one musician leading a group of other musicians. Um, while they are influenced by bluegrass, by Americana, by rock and roll, there's also these other um, influences. Uh, I know Jeremy has mentioned that he's one of his favorite bands is Radiohead, and I can hear that in their songs. Uh, one of the things about Radiohead is they were a group of musicians who coalesced around a sound, found that sound, and said, okay, we've done this. Now what? And I think that's their work has been reflective of that uh, post OK Computer. And I think any artist gets to a point where you start saying, OK, I've gotten to this point where I wanted to get to. Now what? How do I talk, reinterpret, really uh, find another way of communicating, uh, both as, as a musician and also as a person. So um, while, what I look forward to in Alonzo Wesley's music is uh, over the next hopefully five, ten years, they will evolve and grow and pull in different sounds, uh, much like the musicians they listen to themselves. of Radiohead with everything in its right place from their 2000 album Kid A, the follow-up to their massively successful third album OK Computer. By exploring a largely electronic sonic landscape, the band reinvented their sound and cemented their place in the pantheon of rock and served as inspiration for countless other acts, even some that you might not think would draw from that well, like an acoustic group from Charlotte, North Carolina. Try. 
not all that long ago, Charlotte was much less of a vibrant arts and music community, but that's changed a lot, especially recently. Tell us about what the Charlotte scene is like now. What is it? Tell us about some of your experiences. I would say it's just a very accepting place. It's a modern city, like I've already said multiple times, but I grew up in South Carolina and not only not specific to that, but just I grew up kind of in a rural environment. When I left there, I definitely wanted to be somewhere that I could leave some of those things behind that I don't like about just rural life and, and like maybe points of view and, you know, a small townness, if you, I don't know how to, a good way to say that, but I think Charlotte's very open-minded and very accepting. And that's what I found when I moved there trying to get into the music community was I was immediately able to meet people and start doing things. And where I was really like, it was just much more difficult for me to do that in my life prior to that. Um, so I also think just in the recent past of it, it's the way that it's growing. There's just so much going on. There's, it, there's this new initiative that actually you just went to this past week. Yeah. Things like fair play Charlotte, which is uh, from the music everywhere folks in Charlotte, but it's it, the fair play idea is just like, Hey, let's, let's all get together. Let's talk about the music scene uh, and let's make sure everyone has equal opportunity. There's just in the time that I've been there, it's, there's always like scenes in a city, you have your your rock kids, you have your punk kids, you have your folk people, you have your your jazz heads or whatever. But I think there's definitely right now an uh, an effort to um, bring everyone together and to to do more, you know, cross cultural things, if you will. Yeah, in the past, there was not that cross pollination. There were silos. Yeah, there were the cliques, and they didn't tend to intermingle and the venues were such that you had to pick a destination and if you went there and you didn't like it then it may be so far away to go to another place that that was the night was over you just called it quits right then yeah but that's you know with the downtown and everything and uh, a lot of the areas in in town with multiple venues within walking distance it mm -hmm. really is a multiplier oh yeah so they're yeah uptown the neighborhoods are uptown Noda, which is where the Evening Muse is, Neighborhood Theater. Uh, Plaza Midwood is, is where Snug Harbor is, Petra's. And then South End has Amos's and then some other spots. But yeah, they're all like relatively close. You, I mean, I, I, I'm a cyclist, so I live on the south side. I can ride my bike anywhere in Charlotte basically within 30 minutes. So there's the main thing with the growth is there's just lots of opportunity and lots of people that are interested in like getting together and doing something interesting together versus just doing their own thing. And even the venues work together. Uh, one of my good friends is Perry Fowler. He is one of the owners of Petra's and they definitely make an effort to just reach out to all parts of the community and have different nights, whether that be live music or a theme night that is going to bring in a different crowd of people that may not always come there. And I think that's important. So for, for any city, if you want to grow the culture, you have to kind of include everyone. And I think Charlotte is doing a really good job of that. I'll put it uh, to uh, the Avett brothers in the early days, or even to a, a certain degree, other local bands like Lou Ford. It was like when they first came on the scene, people went, Oh, well, I'm not used to hearing that. And now because uh, we're now, our ears are more uh, attuned to 
sounds, different ideas. I think Charlotte, like a lot of other cities and southern cities in particular, we've become more welcoming to, oh, well, the sound is in from different areas, different ideas, and I'm okay with that. I think the also locally and nationally, the musical palette has uh, evolved and changed enough that we go, yeah, this is different. I like this. Have I done the damage? The damage is done, my friend. Scars that we make are the scars that we live with. Seven reasons keep the wheels straight and go. Oh, 700 more turn around, go home, but it's all right, good night. All right, good night. Julie, she's so worried, says she's lonely all the time. Spent seven years in a prison of her own device. Seventeen, left home all alone. Seven hundred miles to the Carolina coast, but it's all right, good night. All right, good night. All right, good night, my friend. Spin my lap driving while other people sleep through the night. Something about the moon checkering through the pines. Seen seven serpents, call each one by name. I've seen 700 angels on the morning train, but it's all right, good night. All right, good night. All right, good night, my friend. Julie 
you fully right now We got seven hours time Seven hundred miles We could be anywhere Seven hundred more We'll know when we get there But it's alright, good night Alright, good night Alright, good night My friend That's Rule of Seven, performed live on WNCW in Studio B, and another selection from their latest album, Songs to No One. It's a song about the seven stages of grief and the cycles of life, referencing long travels and some mythology to boot. Lyrics touching on human struggle and equality are front and center throughout this release. Alonzo Wesley seems to radiate empathy at times. After talking with them, I got the feeling that existential themes come naturally. And I think this was confirmed when Jeremy talked about a memorable road story, which happened in Wilmington, North Carolina, after one of their shows. So a few years ago, we played a show at the Whiskey with Jesse Stockton and his band at the time, The Dream Machine. It was a cool show. We had a really good time. I remember Jesse played uh, a really awesome version of Harvest Moon. We stayed at a motel right down the street. Um, I believe it's on Market, the main drag that comes into downtown Wilmington. Um, But it's one of those old motels. It's like U-shaped, and there's a picnic table like right in the middle of the parking lot. The show was kind of a late night to begin with, just being a show at the Whiskey. I think, you know, normally club shows get done around 2 o'clock. So uh, we go back to the hotel. Somebody finds some beer somewhere, and we're all staying in this one little room. Jesse comes over to hang out. And since the room's kind of tight, we ended up just going out to the picnic table with the guitar We were getting kind of rowdy, probably keeping a lot of the folks up that were staying there. Um, But at some point, a guy who was staying in one of the rooms that you could tell they were kind of having a party because the door was half open and there was like 18 people in there for some reason. And I don't remember what was going on in Wilmington that week, but I do remember it was really hard to find a hotel room, which is how we ended up at that place to begin with. Um, I don't think it would normally have been as full because... It wasn't that nice of a hotel or a motel, I should say, but it was absolutely slammed. But yeah, this guy comes out, he wants to hang out, and of course he's welcome, but he's immediately just sort of disruptive to our, uh, I guess, for lack of a better term, the vibe that we've got going. And he's, instead of you know kind of participating and listening to everyone play a song as we pass the guitar around, he's pulling out his phone and he's looking up songs on YouTube that really have no connection to anything that we're doing. Um, But he just doesn't know how to interact in this space. And he was, to be honest, he was super getting on my nerves. (laughs) Uh, Sorry, guy, if you're out there. The guitar comes around to Jesse again. I remember um, he played San Francisco Bay Blues in exchange for a beer because we're like out of beer. It's probably, I don't know, God knows what time it was. At some point, we start doing jazz standards with mouth trumpet sounds. Um, So, you know, it was getting to be a late night. Eventually, as we're passing the guitar around and being interrupted by this guy and hanging out, somebody starts playing a tune that we all just sort of 
started singing together on and, and harmonizing. And for the first time since this guy has come out and started hanging out with us, he stops and he actually listens. Um, and at the end of it, he says, what is that feeling that I'm feeling? What is that feeling that I don't know how to describe? And I remember thinking, well, that's the feeling of music and art affecting you. The sound of voices blending together is a very powerful thing, especially if you're somebody I'm assuming. And I, I think we talked about with this guy, how he doesn't really see live music that much and him standing in front of us and hearing us um, harmonizing was just this kind of like earth shattering thing for him. He then goes on to tell us about this Smashing Pumpkin song that he had heard at a time in his life when he was very close to committing suicide and it kind of like saved his life. And he also kind of in relation to that song had somehow reconnected with his dad who he had been estranged from. And it was this very like kind of moving story about this song. And of course, in true fashion, Jesse plays at least part of the song, if not the whole song. I don't remember what pumpkin song it was, but it was just one of those moments where in this scenario where I've been very kind of impatient with this person and whether I was right or wrong, it made me realize um, that I need to be patient and that like maybe I'm the one who's unaware at times. And also it just reminded me of the power of music during this kind of like wild night that we're having um, where we're just sort of doing something for fun. There's this moment of, of just complete and utter clarity and beauty that we all shared. And I think that's a beautiful thing. And as a musician, it's funny because a lot of those moments, they happen at, at times. They always happen at like your worst gigs or at a time in, when you're kind of interfacing with someone like I'm describing who maybe you don't connect with. Um, but then for some reason through music, you do connect with them. And that's such a beautiful thing. And one of my favorite things about being a musician and an artist and something that I need to constantly be reminded about. Take me anywhere I'll go Down the river, through the mountains, all below And the money ain't no good I'm trying to tell you I'm coming home Fourteen hours a day, two weeks at a time Eyes resting, shut, keep it between the lines When the money's no good, I'm still alive I'll take my time This ain't no traveling song This is a plan to get me home so sweet it was a dream Have to smell the brakes and the rubber burns Down the mountain till the sun comes up 
money ain't no good I'm trying to tell you I'm coming home This ain't no traveling song This is a plan To get me home I heard a voice Calling me It was so sweet It was a Closing out the show with another live win from Alonzo Wesley, that's Traveling Song from their set at Pisgah Brewing on March 13th. Thanks for dropping in, and I hope you might invite a friend to visit us at Southern Songs and Stories as well. You can subscribe to the series on your podcast platform of choice, and it always helps when you give it a good rating and a review. Great ratings and reviews especially will make Southern Songs and Stories and the artists it profiles more visible to more people just like you. Also, it helps to spread awareness and make more people connected when you like and follow the show on our social media. You can find us on Facebook, on Twitter at South Scenes, and on Instagram at South Stories. Feel free to drop me an email at southernsongsandstories at gmail.com or joek at wncw.org. Southern Songs and Stories is part of the podcast lineup of both Public Radio WNCW and Osiris Media, with all of the Osiris shows available at OsirisPod.com. You can also hear new episodes of this podcast on Bluegrass Planet Radio at BluegrassPlanetRadio.com. Thanks also to Daniel Coston for being a part of this episode. You can check out his work at DanielCostonPhotography.com. Our theme songs are by Joshua Ming, with more about his work on his SoundCloud and Instagram. That's Ming spelled M-E-N-G. I'm your host and producer, Joe Kendrick, and this is Southern Songs and Stories, the music of the South and the artists who make it.
So Maggie's still a member. Maggie is my sister. She was a member of Alonzo, not Alonzo Wesley. Alicia is our uh, our fourth member. Okay, um, let me just back up then. So <clears throat> she was on the recording of this song, yeah. Songs to No One, or rather All God's Children. Yes. Okay, so I did get that right. Okay. Well, <laughs> that's one reason why we do the interviews, and then I edit it later. <laughs> <laughs> the power of digital <laughs> editing. This is not live, so this is an advantage. 